0: Okay, Shamina.
1: And we're here for Head Boss in Charge.
0: Welcome back.
1: Yes. So, Paul, how you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, really, it's just kind of same old, same old. Um, I am just kind of just going with the motions, trying to take you day by day. So that's all I can really ask for. Um, okay. Yeah, happy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, just I, just know. Just I just like I'm well. fine. How are you, Boston?
0: Um, I'm good. Uh, although we'll probably be about halfway through the month by you the time you hear this. It was, um, it is Black History Month. So happy Black oh, yeah. History Month. Um, every day. Um, also happy Black History Year because that's every day of the year. And
1: in case you didn't know, Frederick yeah. Douglass is dead. Yeah,
0: he's not here. He's not here. Um, just know that. <laughs> so, in case you missed that for some reason, I don't know. How you listen to our show and aren't paying attention to show? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, he's he's passed a long time ago, so we're not looking for anything new to come out from him. Um, but I'm generally good. Uh, still in recovery mode post half marathon. Um, yeah, things are good. I'm also rolling off a, you know a conference and uh, seeing some of my best friends there, so that was good. And yeah, it's just kind of like rolling through the motions, trying to do some self-care and log off every now and again, mm. or like play some mindless games on my computer, um, and not, you know, fully try to engage, even though there's been literally, um, a ton of, uh, quote unquote fuck shit that's been happening, um, with 45, um, 45 being the person who's the temp in the White House. Um. <laughs> I love all
1: these code names. Right? we are coming up. Shades of for, forty five. Yeah.
0: Um. But I um, have certainly tried to take some time to log off, and have been encouraging other people around me to mm-hmm. log off because I I can't talk about yeah. all of that shit all the time. Yes, I'm aware, you know, of the the big fuck ups that he's making and all this other stuff. But there's a point at which that I have to care for myself. Um, so just want to remind folks also to like, it's okay to log off and look like look at. I was gonna say trash media, but this is trash media. Um, look at other stuff like puppies and you know babies cooing and shit like that or
1: that catch me outside right. how about oh that
0: <laughs> i watch
1: that every time when i need a good laugh
0: Oh my catch
1: gosh. me outside how about that yeah. and then the trap remix
0: catch me outside
1: how about oh that oh my gosh
0: it needs to be a mix of that and you need to cut it <laughs> yes. Cut it. Cut oh it. God, just a matter
1: of time my girl though
0: um yeah i saw a little bit of like and, and like Jerry. it's dr
1: phil oh. and dr phil's oh. like so what, do, what what does that mean she's like what I just said.
0: Okay. Catch me outside. <laughs> about
1: <that>? Too much. <laughs> like, long fingernails. This is why trying to be so hood. I was what's like,
0: going? She, somebody's going to, um, as I saw on one episode of, like, um, what's that show where they, like, take teenagers to jail because they've been fucking up?
1: Oh, um, gosh, um. Oh, what's uh, the show? <laughs> <laughs> Beside the point, but there was. Yeah, <laughs> yes. oh my gosh. There's that <laughs> We
0: both like doing the moves and shit. Um But this one woman was like, I'll fold you like a piece of paper and I was like, that is like the most basic thing. Right. But she was all up in this other girl's face. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah.
1: Um uh, Matt I can't remember the name I know. Of it. But I, I love that show. I need to make myself laugh. I need to like I love the internet and I hate the internet, but I love the internet for when People make stupid memes, yeah. videos, songs. Like I need that in my daily life because
0: You mean priceless me,
1: memes. Yeah, because <laughs> like, all this stuff with like the the ban, the travel bans, and executive orders, and all these protests. Like it's only been two weeks. People are exhausted. It's like every day we find a new reason to protest something. Yeah, right. It's, it's just like, like
0: nonstop. Nonstop. Yeah, it's just too much, and I don't fully understand how or why. I've been seeing a good number of like conspiracy theories, theories, if you will, around. I think the most recent one that I saw was um, that he and his cabinet or whatnot are doing this so that they can eventually like be like, oh no, we're gonna scale it back, so that we feel like, like I think there's like there's um, some allegations like. Essentially, they want 20% of this, like, huge, like, unrolling of, like, you know, the extreme vetting or whatever. So they're going to go super extreme and then tell the American people, okay, we hear you, and we're going to scale it back this much to, like, 20% of, like, what we actually put out there. Have you seen this kind of rolling around the internet? Uh, It's been in some, like, super long-ass articles and whatnot. Well,
1: I've heard something kind of close to that in terms of this campaign strategy. Okay. Um... It sounds a little familiar, but no, I haven't really...
0: Yeah, so, like, it's, the idea is to, like, go super extreme and then pull it back, like, in terms of, like, listening to the American people, like, okay, we, you don't want this, so our compromise is this. But really, in the end, all they want is the compromised, you know, Right, action. that's what they're
1: thinking about yeah. ahead of time. Hmm. Yeah. That, yeah, that is really... Well, that's politics for you. Which I is, I, it's not. It doesn't even sound that far-fetched of a conspiracy theory. No, no, day. it
0: doesn't. Um... Uh, the show is Beyond Scared Straight, BTW. Yes,
1: okay, that's what uh. it was. <laughs> I had <have> to look it <laughs> up And then there's point. this like the guy uh, the guy with like the, the black little he has like a little hair and he's like I I think he, I know, he's you gay. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget what he's saying, but he does this really funny like head tilt.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> at the at the end of a speech. But anyways.
0: At some point he'll be
1: head boss. So
0: <laughs> 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 it's gonna need to be a gift, although the photo of right. is enough. Right. We're here for our next segment, which is Water Cooler Talk. Um, today, we're trying a little something different. We've got um, a friend of the podcast, uh, special guest with us today, Roz. Um, so, I rather than me introducing you, I'm going to give you a chance to tell us who you are and essentially um, how did you get here or
2: where are you at in your career? So, my name is Rosalind Cohen Baruch, uh, AKA Roz. Um I am the head of the human capital department at a company called Hall Capital Partners and I'm a managing I'm a partner at the firm as well. I've been there for almost 4 years and have been doing HR type stuff for most of my career in a couple of different venues and areas.
0: Roz is being really modest right now. Um, she's a head boss. Um, yes. Hence why I was drawn to her immediately when I met you several years ago. I don't even know how, it was over five years ago, maybe seven, yeah, probably about it's, seven years it's ago. probably about seven years um, ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, I must know her. Like I, I think I walked up to you like right after you did your presentation and was like, hi, like I feel like I need to know you. And so can I meet you for coffee? Or tea, because I don't drink coffee, but I'm pretty sure I said coffee, Mm because everybody says that. Um, And I think you were working at um, a very different role um, at that time. So can you tell us maybe about... Because you were in education. Yes. um, So that was part of the draw, and I think part of why you came to present at the department that I was working in. So maybe if you can tell us where you started from.
2: Yeah, so I... Went to college thinking I was going to be a doctor and because um, that's what I was told I was going to be. Oh, okay. Mm, by mm. my mom and dad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with you that You know that too. one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and then took organic chemistry and know that that was never going to happen for me. <laughs> But really liked my psych classes and my sociology classes. And at that time, I uh, was an RA, so a resident advisor, and didn't even realize that this was a career that you could have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Didn't like, oh, wait, people get paid to do this? And took that and parlayed it into uh, working in higher education. So I have worked at SUNY Stony Brook, or Stony Brook University, which it's now called, which is where I have my bachelor's and my master's. Um, I worked at Ball State University. Go Cardinals. Go Cardinals. Um, University of Delaware, Fighting Blue Hens, mm. um, <laughs> just <laughs> an awkward, know. like, okay, okay. Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, uh, University of Oregon, Go Ducks, and then finally University of San Francisco, which is where, um, I think I warped, no, I think you and I met after that, mm-hmm. uh, and then University of San Francisco, and then I got drawn to the dark side, as I call it, and started working in, uh, finance. Some might call it the promised land. Or yeah. some <laughs> might. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely.
0: Where you have like weird word like bonuses. Yes. Yeah. And things like that. And profit sharing.
1: Yeah. What is that? Like, okay. Yeah. Human capital. Human right. right. You exactly. might have to define some of words for me. <laughs> totally. okay <laughs> to do it. Um,
2: so then when I moved into the for-profit world, I worked at a company called... Um, Nolenberger Capital Partners, which doesn't exist anymore. So actually I started at Bank of America Securities, then went to a company called Nolenberger Capital Partners, then went to work in nonprofit and was the founding director of HR at the Walt Disney Family Museum, then worked in consulting at a company called BSR, or Business for Sustainable Resources, and then ended up at Hall Capital, which is where I am now. So I've been there for four years. Oh,
1: such yeah. a impressive portfolio! Right, lo- lots of lots of stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, this next question is actually really I'm really interested in the answer because I'm starting out. I've started in education, mm-hmm. and I'm really trying to navigate and potentially switch out. Yep. Um, maybe maybe focus more in nonprofit or try something different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just really curious about your transition. Yep. And how you made that jump. Was it very conscious? Was it gradual? Was there a plan set in place?
2: So the weird thing about my career is I've had no plan, except for the fact that I thought I was going to be a doctor way back when, and then the rest of it has been sort of opportunistic. So when I um, was working in higher ed, I had an interesting read there, bad experience when I was at USF, and went to a recruiter and said, here's what I do, right? I manage people, I train people, I hire people, I manage all the aspects of people, but I do it in the non slash education world. And so she said to me, yeah, um, great. <laughs> <laughs> right? because she was like, I, I don't even yeah. know. know what to do with you, right? Yeah. So she sent me out on two jobs um, where we redid my resume. So my resume was more of a functional resume versus a chronological Mm. resume. So what we looked at was what were the skills that I had and in what big areas that I could then utilize that information as a way of a selling point versus Mm -hmm. where I had been in the order that I had been there. And she sent me to Bank of America Securities and Arthur Anderson, which doesn't even exist anymore. And the job at B of A Securities was the one that panned out. So... uh, it was literally a similar job to what I was doing in higher ed, but I was doing it in the equity research department. And the funny thing is, I, I remember sitting in the interview, and I'm sitting across from this analyst. Now, if in higher ed, like, when you sit in an interview, you are like locked in eyes. You are having a very specific one-on-one interview. It is like you are the two people in the room. Mm-hmm. In this interview, it was 6.30 in the morning because it mm. was market-driven, right? So okay. that's when the market was happening. Wow. And the analyst that was interviewing me was watching the ticker. She was watching the board versus really talking to me. And I was like, "What the? I I don't want to work work here." Right. So, um, but I, you know, at that point, I didn't realize what that meant. I didn't understand it because I walked into the interview. I didn't know what a stock or bond was. I didn't understand what the market is like. I had no con- like equity research. What does that mean? You're speaking my yeah. I'm, I'm just right. like uh-huh. Not right. in my head. Not a clue. I, don't, I don't either. Yeah. But. So and but that was how, where I was. So uh, you know, there's a lot written now about faking it till you make it, and so that was really what mm-hmm. it was. So I did whatever I needed to do because I wanted this job and it was going to pay me more money. To be honest with you, than higher. <laughs> <Snap>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm um, for it. So I did two interviews with them, both at 6.30 in the morning, which I think showed them tenacity or something that I was willing to get up that early. Uh, And when I walked, after the last interview, and walked back across the street to the HR department, they had offered me the job. Hmm. And I literally had no, like I knew my job was going to be managing the entry level and hiring them as well as hiring the MBAs or the post-MBAs. But I didn't really even know what equity research was. So I started doing research. I literally went online, found out a little bit about equity research. There's a book by Michael Lewis called Liar's Poker, which is an old book. Read through that. And then got a um, membership to SHRM, S-H-R-M, and started doing research. And that's hmm. sort of how I got to where I was. For the people who don't know, I don't know if you're going to ask, you, tell us what SHRM is. Ah, SHRM is the Society for Human Resources Management. Oh, so okay. it is the it is the global standard global profession, um, that if you are a member, you get updates, you get information. It's really the place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I would suggest anybody who's interested in, in human resources, that's where they should end up. They should yeah. get membership.
1: Um, you mentioned that you kind of faked it.
2: Totally. You
1: know, till, <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this a lot. Um, kind of the fake, fake it till you feel it yes. as we call it. Yeah. Um, or make it.
2: Yeah. Either um,
1: way. And we talked about how whether that was a legitimate way of moving through the career when it's necessary, when it's not. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounded like, you know, you really wanted something. Mm-hmm. You did the research before or maybe while you were in it. While, yeah. definitely
2: while, not before. At that mm-hmm. point, I really just wanted a job away from what I was doing at that time. So right. it didn't matter to me. Um, but yeah, no, I fake it till you feel it is absolutely a legitimate piece of how you move through your career. and. Um, As a woman, women don't do that enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a matter of fact, if you a lot of statistics show about how men will apply for a job when they know thirty to forty percent of what the job is about, and and women, I'm sorry, yeah, and women won't do it until they're sixty percent sure they can do the job. Right, so um, we have to get over ourselves, right? Oh, I I don't know how to do this. That's great. So what? You'll figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. As long as it's not something like performing surgery, which you really can't learn on the job, right? You can. You can get a good mentor. You can get good resources. You can do the independent research to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I did was I got a binder, and every time I read something that I didn't know, I printed that out, and I put it in this binder. And so that it would help me remember. One of the things I remember vividly was the overtime laws in California because they are bizarre. And so I had no idea what that was. So I remember like literally reading through it and figure, trying to figure out what it was because I wanted to look smart. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm totally going to go off. To, we have questions, but now you're talking.
0: And so yes. some of those questions are... Eh. Yeah. Um, you talk about... You spoke just a moment about like finding a mentor that kind yeah. of helped shepherd you through. Um, number one, do you have mentors? And number two, how did you get them?
2: Yep. Um, I have less about a mentor and more about a sponsor. And I'll explain the difference in mm-hmm. a second. Um, so a sponsor for me, has been someone who sort of has done what, I, what I've what i done. And uh, I'll explain who this person is in a second. Um, but really, it's about someone who those moments... And I think, let me take a step back. I think everybody utilizes this differently, right? For some folks, it's about teach me what you need to teach me. For some people, it's um, support me when I need that kind of support. And the other is like, I, I'm feeling blue or I'm not sure if I can do this. I need you to lift me up. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was really the latter. That's really what I was looking for. So, um, what I did was there was a woman that I had met, and I, I connected with her immediately. It's a woman named, Her name is Val Grubb, and she actually, at the point that I met her, was doing. She was doing presentations. Um, she did a presentation at a SHRM conference uh, on accounting for HR people, which that is not our forte in general. Like numbers are not our thing; people mm-hmm. are our thing. So. <laughs> Numbers, forget about it, right? Balance sheet? What the hell's that? So I went to her and I said, <laughs> and I still don't know. Um, I went to her and I said, look, I would really like to pick your brain a little bit. Would you be willing to have coffee with me? And similar to what Shamina did to me, and she said, absolutely. And we clicked immediately. And uh, at the time I met her, she was the head of the Oxygen Network, oh. Oprah's network. Yes. She oh, did
0: some- Ooh. magic word, Oprah. Yeah. Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay. Oprah
1: owns Oxygen Oprah, Uh, Oprah. yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, she owns a lot more than I know. Yes,
2: no, she's so she started the Oxygen Park. I don't know if she's still doing it now or not. Okay. Um, But she was the COO of it, and we had coffee and we hit it off. And so Val has been sort of the person that I call when I'm having that moment. Hmm. Um, And there have been several points in my career where I'm like, I I don't know if I'm this i'm not really sure i got this um particularly the fake it till you make it right and she's like are you out of your mind you are way smarter than you think you are you are way more competent than you think you are and she would give me examples not just sort of mm. yeah so that's for me how it has worked for me but i haven't had an hr mentor there's been no one to be like oh you're the <laughs> hr person i want to be it's just more about bringing bringing a genuine piece of who i am to the job that i do and Val is very much that, so I think that's why we connected.
1: Okay. Um, how did you know it was time for you to make a switch out of education?
2: So, there's a, there, uh, there were a couple of <laughs> 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 Girl. Uh, there, were, there were a couple of things that happened. Um, I had had a, a, and I don't necessarily want to go into the details of it, but I had, I had a negative experience when I was at USF, which was really the, the catalyst, but... Um, I loved working in higher education and I loved working with students. And, and at some level, I still do a lot of that, right, in what I do now. What was important for me was to be able to teach and help, right? Mm-hmm. How can I help you in a way that, is, that connects to you and is less nothing about me and more about who you are as a person? So, um, but working in higher ed, as I'm sure both of you know, can mm-hmm. be all-encompassing, right? Like, there is no break, you are constantly on, you are constantly getting pinged, and it was too much. And there was an incident with a student at USF um, where he had had a schizophrenic break. And so it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I had gotten a phone call, was up at campus, mm-hmm. um, just dealing with that. Didn't get home till like 6, 7 o'clock. And uh, I was living with my, my then-fiancé, now-husband, and said, I just, I just can't do this anymore. Um, it felt like a lot of pressure, and it felt like I was responsible for these people, and it just was overwhelming. That, in light of, in connection with some legal guidelines that had been passed about what we could share with parents and how we can connect mm. with parents, and so their, the student support system was not there. And here we are, like, we couldn't tell this parent that his mm-hmm. son. Had you know been fifty one fifty, which is in California, is sort of someone who is um, committed for their uh, own safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it just it, it just didn't feel good anymore. It didn't work anymore. And so that was I had reached that point. I guess I don't know the bottom or <laughs> the went. <whatever. laughs> that's how, that's how yeah. yeah. So that's what, sort of what it was for me.
1: Yeah. I feel that's common where there's usually an incident yeah. or some kind of negative experience that propels someone to change careers. Totally. And that's unfortunate. That that's usually the motivation yeah. factor. Um I'm kind of in that zone right now yeah. is uh not so much um I, I think I have a good work life balance, but it's more so um you know, I believe in education, I like working yeah. with students, but Mm, there's something that is just not fulfilling yeah. Yeah. in that experience, right? A- I just feel like Absolutely. I'm not getting what I want back from the, mm-hmm. those opportunities, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes, the, as you said, the dark side. Yeah. That there's a mm-hmm. lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot in that area that intrigues me besides money. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's. <laughs> let's not forget money, though. So let's not pretend <laughs> right. that money is not. No, um, exactly. no. Let us not pretend that. At right. All. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit more, yeah. but.
0: Um. So. And I, I, I totally feel like the relation, because we've all worked in like housing in Res Life, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like a consume you and all of that other stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Um, which is one of the reasons why I, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. I don't want somebody to call me with a problem at 2 a.m. Because yeah. not that I don't care. Uh, awkward pause, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't sure how to recover from that. But um, I just, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be able to move yeah. about the world freely. Yep. Without the constraints of like I can't cross a bridge or yeah. I can't go in a tunnel because yeah. the phone, you know, like what <laughs> right. the hell? I'm on no, call. That, and,
2: yeah. and the truth is, it is okay to be selfish about that. Right? Yeah, I think at times where, particularly in student affairs, there's a very big altruistic sense in it, mm-hmm. right. Like I'm giving you all. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, I want to sort of nurture these students, and whether it is age or experience that you sit down and go. I, it's okay for me to be me and it's okay mm-hmm. for me to put me first and not be like completely wound up and completely consumed by. Yeah. But yeah. Actually, I
1: think that's a trait of when I talk to other people who work not in education, but in the nonprofit sector yep. that altruistic feeling. Yep. I mean, there are folks that will, you know, kind of reach a glass ceiling. Uh, Work for a ton of years and they never got a raise because they yeah. never advocate for themselves. Right. That yeah. They're in this environment where we give to the community, right. we give, 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 right. and you drain yourself yes. and to the ground, yeah. right? Um, where you can just walk in the private sector and, you know, maybe two months, well, maybe not two months yeah. in, but a like, year yeah, like, put in your proposal, I would require, the, you know, this raise, this bonus, whatever, and right. sometimes the company meets it. Yes, yeah, right? that, that's exactly Money right. is not an object. Money yeah.
2: is a different perspective, right? Like, you know, when you're working in the private sector, you may not get it, but it's less contingent upon somebody else's mm-hmm. giving mm-hmm. versus... What, you know, if you make widgets, how many widgets do you sell can determine whether or not you're going to be able to get that raise or the bonus or whatever yeah. the case right. may be. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we all, anybody in higher ed comes from, it, from a place of altruism. We do it because we care about students. We do it because it's important. We do it because we feel like we're fighting the good fight. You know, for me it was how do i create a space where students can come learning everything that they had learned from their parents but really be able to make mistakes figure out who they were figure mm-hmm. out their values like that was really my space that was what i loved um, it didn't that didn't become less important to me i just became more important to me
0: mm-hmm. yeah. come on now you're going to say that it's true <laughs> Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, it, it is okay to say, you know what, I, I love what I do, but I need to make more money because there are things I want to do in my life. Mm-hmm. That's okay.
0: It's so funny that you say that, um, and at some point I'm going to get back to the questions. But um, I was thinking about, like, there's two things that came to mind when both of you were speaking. One was the um, the idea that even, like, when you get ready to ask for more, it's such, it's such a con- – it's like – it's so like anxiety provoking mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because there's a sense of like you should be doing this because you want to do this, and we're all in the good fight for this. And I'm like, <laughs> right. says the person right. who makes more money than me, right, right, right. So of course you can say that. Exactly. So <clears throat> I've found those conversations to be challenging yet necessary.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And a
0: willi- need a, a willingness on my part to need to feel like I can jump if I'm like, okay, like I can only feel so undervalued for so long, right. and then I'm going to go. Right. Um, but the other thing I've noticed in um, Education, but I'm assuming that this might roll over into the nonprofit world as a sense of needing to feel needed. Yeah. Does that make sense? There's probably so, like a little outdoor...
2: codependency there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. There so, might be
0: so, just some a little bit of food for thought as I was hearing both of you talk, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I see that regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, we're gonna hop to the next question. So, yeah. um, given that you're in the business of working with people, mm-hmm. um, in terms of your current role. Do you feel like you are driven or listen to your head more or your heart more in terms of making mm-hmm. decisions,
2: interacting with colleagues, et hmm That's a good question. Um, I try to be pragmatic in the advice that I give. So I try to have a practical um, perspective on it. So I don't know if it's head or heart. I think what I try to do is think of a couple things. One... am I advocating for? Am I advocating for the business? Am I advocating for the individual? If depending upon who that is, then I look at the other side of it, right? So if I'm advocating for the business, how can this be perceived by the employee? If I'm advocating for the employee, what's the needs of the business? Um, And give those perspectives to whomever it is, right, that Mm -hmm. I'm trying to provide information for. Um, I also think my job is about providing a risk assessment. So if we have an employee that is, let's say, is having some problem at work, what's the risk associated with this? If they're going to make mistakes, is this a risk that we can handle or not handle? And so can I tell that to the supervisor? Can I tell that to the employee? And say, here's what, if we do this, here's our risk. If we do this, here's our risk. Um, The likelihood of risk A or risk B is this. So my recommendation is whatever it might be. Because, um, so I don't know if it's much about heart or head as it is about trying to balance the needs of the organization and the needs of the individual and the risk of both of those needs. Mm -hmm. So I think coming at it from that perspective, HR people sometimes can be seen as very emotional. We can also be seen as very black and white, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, in my humble opinion, (laughs) bad HR people are always by the book. Bad Mm -hmm. HR people are always going to be the ones that say the law says this, So we should do this. I think good HR people are the ones that say, the law says this. Here's the risk associated with not doing it that way. Here's what I think the best need for the business is. So here's my recommendation. Um, It's very easy to just stand behind a construct that is. It's Mm -hmm. much more difficult, I think, to be able to provide your opinion. And that's what we get paid for. We get paid for our opinion. Mm -hmm. Here's what we know. Here's our experience. And that's what I'm bringing to the table. So I don't know if I answered your question. No, but, uh, that was
1: good. That's Yeah, that was really good. I, I'm a manager. Yeah. I supervise four to five people. And I'm talking with HR all the time. Like, <laughs> me and HR <laughs> have such a close relationship. And working in an education nonprofit, I feel that myself, as well as my colleagues, we tend to think with our heart more because mm. of that kind of sacrificial attitude. Totally. And I see some pitfalls in that. Yeah. I've always been able to step back and say, guys, like... It's about let's focus on the work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I understand yep. we're working with people, yep. but sometimes that just really sidetracks us, yep. right? So when I'm in these conversations with HR and trying to be the almost the intermediary between yep. my employees and HR, um, I, I try to step back and focus on the work. But sometimes in that environment, I feel like I might get um, not scolded, but uh, if I if I'm too pragmatic, yeah. Then I'm viewed as just like really cold, and I'm yeah, not yeah, thinking yeah. about people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And
2: evil HR people right the, right what they call it. yeah, And if
1: I think too much about feelings, we're not productive whatsoever. <laughs> right. Um and we're not thinking of solutions.
2: <laughs> One of my worst experiences working in higher ed, which I'm sure both of you can relate to, is, uh, at the beginning of every meeting, where people would go around oh, the table God. and talk, like literally, even now as we're talking about, it, I'm getting like excited. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's right, Like, I really like tell that. me, just, tell me about your day. How are you, you feeling know, about? Just want to check in. I just want to check in. Talk to me a little bit about. Am I, yeah. Can I curse my life? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. That kind of bullshit put me over the edge. I'm, uh, no offense. I don't care how you are feeling. Uh, this is a job, <laughs> exactly. and let's get it done. Yeah. So as you're saying that, like, I'm literally, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just you <laughs> yeah. bringing up, like, I'm having a like, PTSD about it. Right. Um, but to, to answer your question, I think my perspective is a good manager can do both. A good manager can say, so I'm going to give you, and I do this with my boss all the time, I'm going to give you what I think is the people answer, and I'm going to give you the pragmatic answer, right? I think that what's best for our people because I, you know, it is my heart talking? Is this. However, here's what I think the pragmatic side of it is. Here's what I think the practical side of it is. Here's what I think we can do in a way in order to achieve whatever the goal is. And here's how I think we can marry it. I, what I would suggest is being able to find the solution between the two. Like, lay it out. Here's A. Here's B. Here's what I think makes the most sense based upon A and B.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, being solutions-oriented, which I'm sure you are, is really... I think, a key takeaway with HR people, right? How can I help you run the business? Because the bottom line is, in any company, HR is there to support the business and advocate. So it is a heart and a head kind of thing. If you think of people being the heart and the business being the head, you're always trying to walk wow. that balance. Um, and there are some times when I need to actually just say no, right? Right. We can't do it this way. There is a pragmatic and practical reason for this. I try to do that less, but what ends up happening is if you do it that way, then people will hear what you say when you lay that law down. When you you become that HR person that says no, if you don't say no that often, people listen to it more. Um, And I I would also say that anybody who's telling you that you're being, you know, too much of a hard ass about something... um, probably has a decision in their head that you're not agreeing Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking of that you're like you're not saying the right answer that's (laughs) That's the wrong one so yeah
2: because they should be able to appreciate and respect what you're bringing to the table with your experience so if they're not doing that and you're not saying what they I think you're probably not saying what they want you to say which is not that's okay you know what and that's why you lay out the risk, because you say, here's the risk associated with it, but ultimately, the decision may not be yours to make. It may right. be somebody else's.
1: And, uh, you know, nowadays, I would rather have you <laughs> respect me than totally. you like me. You know, we're here to Absolutely. do a job, and I'm not here to win favoritism or anything like that. That's exactly and exactly right. Yeah, sometimes I've had to say some really unfortunate decisions that were not maybe my own, or maybe they were my own decisions, and it was a no. That's and right. You just keep moving forward that's right so 100 percent
0: yeah yeah I found a lot of people in my work because I work with faculty members so they are subject matter experts yep and so like if I and I work in student conduct you both on that and our audience knows that as well um so something happens in the classroom like they're like well what do we do like give me an answer right and I'll say okay well these are some of the options that you have right. and they're like well who's gonna who's gonna do that and I was like I told you these were your options. Right. Like, I'm not going to come in there if somebody... I often get, like, a student was threatening and I feel unsafe. Can you come in there? No. I'm not the police. If Like, right. both of us don't have to die. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have to be you You in there, so... Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, a... Want,
2: they want you to give them the answer. Yeah. Right? It's but when I give re-
0: the answer... They don't want to hear that answer. Right.
2: <laughs> but, in, and if they do want to hear it, then it's, then, then they've shirked responsibility to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. Oh, it's now your fault. Like, if something goes bad, it's not them, it's you. Yeah. Right. Which is also people, yeah. it's hard for people to do. But to yeah. Particularly around other people. Which
0: is why I follow up in an email about what my <laughs> advice was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> see, like, you had a choice. Yes. An option. CYA email. I yeah, have, absolutely. You just picked the wrong one, but okay. But
1: okay. <laughs> Good work, Paul. Oh, I like this question. Uh, what do you find as the, like, any, if any, differences mm-hmm. in managing people in the private sector versus nonprofit sector?
2: Yeah. It's less touchy-feely in the private sector. Mm. Okay. Yeah. No, this is mean, where it, I should be. Yeah, this yes, where <laughs> should be too. <laughs> and not in a bad way. Like, I will tell you, the place that I work now is. It's appropriately connected. So someone comes into my office, I know whether they have a kid or they don't. I know about their dog. I know about this. And so we have that kind of conversation. We talk about what's going on in their lives. So its I don't want it to be, it's not stale or stoic. That's not what I'm saying. But there is less of an expectation, I think, of someone to take everything about that person and sort of make it part of the conversation. So I'm trying to think of how I can explain this better, but I will say it's less touchy-feely. Um, it's not, it's very personal, it's very connected, but it's not necessarily, that's not all-encompassing of the conversation, if that makes any sense. I feel like I'm not explaining that as well. as I. Do you have any yeah.
1: contextual examples? Yeah. Like, what's like, this makes sense like to me like with employees? Um, yeah, absolutely. What's just the culture, I guess?
2: Yeah, so we have a phenomenal culture. Um, so one of the things about Hall Capital, uh, is that it really is a very familial type of organization, which is very uncommon for financial services. So, uh, an example would be the big joke between me and my team is at least three or four times a day, someone comes in and goes, I have a question. And it literally can be everything about F- from FMLA to, you just ran that race the other day. What was that like to... I'm irritated because we don't have enough almonds in the kitchen, like, because I manage um, (laughs) our office staff too, right? And literally, these can be the conversations. But it will lead to other things. So Mm -hmm. it's not just about that. So it becomes a much more organic and more friendly kind of dialogue. Um, But it can also be about something pretty intense. You know, we've had situations, uh, not here at this job, but at other jobs where it's pretty significant and pretty... pretty. emotionally demanding. So I've had folks come into my office and tell me that their uh, partner is an alcoholic and they need some help figuring out what that means for them at work. Mm. And that's a gift from my perspective. And the fact that this person trusts me enough to be able to really open up, that's about building the rapport and building that trusting relationship. And that's very similar to higher education. Um, I guess the difference is it is contextualized, so it's not about every moment of the day dealing with that, but it's about in the context of this particular conversation. Here's what makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> I do this every day, <laughs> every day. Um, so we're gonna we have kind of a fun question. Okay, maybe two fun ones. Um, so if you could not work for a year, what would you do?
2: Wow, if I could, a work whole year, a whole year. <laughs> so there's a couple of thoughts so one I would um I would plan sort of events I like doing event planning and sort of the decorations and all of that kind of stuff if money was no object for a year I would love to do that like okay you have a party I'm happy to like I will design <laughs> um I would also just become a better runner Get out of here. That is yes. what I would do. I would become a better runner. I would, like, train. I would I would make that year about me achieving some time goal, which now I don't even worry about. Okay. So those would be the two things. Hmm. I don't chance. even think
0: we've answered this yeah, question. Yeah, we haven't. What, Paul, why don't you answer? Yes.
1: Oh. Um... If I could not, well, it's funny because this opportunity is something that is kind of work related. That's but okay. She just said a work thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would. Like, I would work. It and this it, way. it it might actually be a long term future goal of yeah. mine. But um, uh, just like design concerts and festivals. Yeah, fantastic. Just like yeah. go around, you know, travel the world yep. and uh, put together shows, choreograph That's for nice. Beyonce. <laughs> I'll do it for free it's right. Yeah, nice. exactly. well, money's insane. no object it's fine uh, <laughs> but I th- yeah I think that would just be a great way to uh, really maximize my creativity yeah
2: absolutely absolutely what oh, about yeah. you um,
0: it's funny because mine was re- revolving around running yeah um, and it's also a job so um, <laughs> I would spend the year um, working on my own personal running um, which I do a lot of now anyway so I'm like how could I do more mm-hmm. um, but then it would be trying to work with women and kind of build a community of women who are trying to um, jumpstart their wellness, their physical wellness. Oh, nice. um, And then kind of slow paces in terms of running and starting with walking and, like, what kind of shoes do you get? You know, what are some some easy races to run that are flat that you can start off by walking and then, you know, setting up things like that. So, yeah.
2: That's
0: cool. So I'll join you in the the run Fantastic. Done. (laughs) Done.
2: We just need somebody to subsidize it. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. (laughs)
1: Um, take this question as okay. you interpret it, but are you happy right now with where you are in your career tra- trajectory?
2: I am. I'm very happy um, where I am. And it's taken a long time to get here. So um, there were many points in my career that I was miserable. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of jobs in particular I can think of, and I will not call them out. I don't want <laughs> right. to um, But there were, I feel like, at this point in my career, I'm at a company that really does care about the employees. They care about the people. Um, I, I'll give you an example in a second. And I also know that HR people sometimes can be relegated to the sidelines, right? Because we're a cost center. Inevitably, we cost money. We do not bring in a ton of revenue, mm-hmm. if anything. Right. Um, and I'm at a place that really recognizes that the value that I bring and my department brings to the table is pretty substantial. And even though we're not spending any money, we're not saving any money, well, no, we're not bringing in (laughs) revenue, we are still saving money in a variety of ways, whether it's reducing um, attrition, whether it is being able to simply reduce costs, particularly in our office management area. Um, So there is a variety of things there. So, yes, I'm incredibly happy in, in where I work. Um, professionally I am, uh, although I will, I'm contemplating slash thinking about starting a PhD this year over the course of the next couple of years. Wow,
0: We haven't talked about that. Okay. I know have not. (laughs) Conversation offline. Wow. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So, and that's really more about me wanting to do it than, I don't feel like it's, uh, inhibiting me from growth in my career. Mm -hmm. It's just more about, yeah, I think, yeah, it's about the right time in my life to go and start that.
1: And how do you define happiness for yourself? Because it's different for everyone. <laughs> totally.
2: Uh, professionally, uh, it is at the end of the day, and it was funny, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, um, at the end of the day, do I feel good about the work that I did? Mm. Do I feel as though I made some sort of positive impact in something, whether it was checking something off my list or whether it was a great conversation I had with a colleague or whether it was helping put a policy in place that I think is important? Um at the end of the day, do I feel like I did my best work and what did I... Because it, it's something we actually say to our kids. It's like, do your best, right? You're never regretful if you do the best that you can. And so that's sort of how I define the happiness. If I've done the best that I can do, the answer is yes, then I'm happy.
1: I like that. All right. So um. I think <laughs> that is everything that um, we had prepared. Okay. We want to thank you so much for thank you, stopping by, had Boston charge and being our first so guest. Nice.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I feel very honored that I was the first guest, so thank you very much.
0: Nice. I'm sure we'll have you back at some point.
1: Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, to do do, we do a portion of the show where we answer listener questions, ah. and I think you'd be an awesome right. consultant <laughs> for, that, for that segment. Right. Happy to do it. Happy to do it anytime. We are back for our next segment Ask a Boss and we changed our mind. Ross, <laughs> Ross is still going to be with us for this segment. We're now in the future. Okay. Uh, so uh, remember if you have any questions please email us at headbosspodcast at gmail and Shamina I think you have our question. I do. Question.
0: So uh, the question this week. Um, so Rob, we'll give you the honor of answering first, and then yes. we'll provide some HR, of our answers. HR experts. Yeah. Oh gosh, um, your perspective doesn't have to be a, technically an answer. Yeah. yeah. So our question is: um, What is a piece of advice or nugget of wisdom you would give someone entering your current field or profession? So someone who's walking into their job.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, in HR. So like oh, in, the- in HR. In mm-hmm. HR. Got it. Okay. So first of all, can I give a couple of? Words, words yes okay so um don't whatever plan you have in place or whatever plan you think you have is fine but be open to opportunity i have found that um saying no on in very small doses has really served me well like being able to take something on being able to try something new particularly even if i did not know what it was like going back to the make it till you feel it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, as much as you can do that, do that. Uh, the other is always be in control of your own professional development. So mm-hmm. do not wait until a year or six months or two years before you say, I this, you know, to turn over to your boss and go, here's where I want to be, here's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, always be looking towards what do I want to learn out of this experience? What do I want to, what knowledge do I want to gain? Um, it is an organization or a company's responsibility to provide you outlooks but it's not their responsibility to put them in front of you and spoon feed them to Mm you and i think sometimes we think of it as if i'm not getting it from the organization then i guess i'm just not going to get it right right? so um ask put it out there say like this is where i want to go in three to five years here's where i want to be um and these are the experiences that I think I want to have. And how can we work together and make them happen, assuming that I'm doing my job well? Like, mm-hmm. that's the clear assumption, right? Like, I'm doing my job. My responsibilities are great. And dot, 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 whatever that might be.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my, my first one mimics that a little bit in terms of, like, when you are hired for a job, you um, There's a job that's on paper, and yes, you have to be able to do the things on paper, but your job is more than just the things, the bullet points written on the paper. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that you will do. Um, you should find a way to do and yep. that you'll end up doing because you'll be asked as in the quote unquote other duties as assigned. Yep. So know that yep. your role is beyond what's on the piece of paper that you know Absolutely. that you even signed yep. that said like this is my job because there's a whole bunch right. more than that. So to try to stick to that is going to limit um, the potential that you have mm-hmm. and your employer's willingness to expose you to other things if you're a hard ass and like well, that's not in my job, so I should, right. don't ever say that at work. Absolutely. Um, Let's see. What's another piece of advice? Um, and this is going into education. Um, that you uh, should be mindful of trying to do too much. Yep. Um, I think there is, in education specifically, in, in um, student affairs, higher ed, um, everybody wants to do everything. And that's, number one, everybody's not good at everything. That's right. And you just got to know that. You Maybe you're decent at it, but you're... You're going to better serve yourself and your organization/slash institution if you find like the two or three things that you're really good at and right. really hone those skills because you cannot be everything to everybody. And mm-hmm. I think going into the field that I'm in, people are like, Well, I want to be a generalist and do everything. You're not supposed to do everything, that's, right. yeah. that's why your job isn't like coordinator of everything. <laughs> um, so I think people get uh, there's a misconception that I need to be a generalist and be yeah. able to like, um, and I think of myself, I'm like, I can do a lot of shit. Like, right. a lot of stuff. Um, that doesn't mean I'm good at everything, right. but maybe I can inch things forward more, more than most people. Right. I'm not, like, going to win a Nobel Prize for writing this proposal, you know? Right. Like, nobody's going to pat me on the back, like, you really, you know, Jack, this this is great. They gonna be like, this is done. Let's refine it. And I'm like, okay. Yep. I'm the person that starts to get the ball rolling. Right. And then y'all can roll it on down across the finish line. That's right. But we need a, not a jump starter. So, I think those are two two of the pieces that I would think about.
2: The point that you brought up, I think, is incredibly valid. Um, Know what you don't do well and hire smart people to do that. Um, I'll give you a prime example in my world. I, for some ungodly reason, am responsible for the payroll of one hundred and fifty. Oh God, Lord, I can't. Lord. I'm
0: I'm done payroll. I don't I'm know. Lord. How no, in, payroll specialist. No, absolutely. Just...
2: No, um, <laughs> that's
0: that's a hard job. It, it is a hard
2: it's piece. a hard job. I, I will tell you. <laughs> I've done it for they, two months. They are they people who do payroll are vastly underappreciated. Yeah, vastly underappreciated. But so it falls in my department. Um, So I have this amazing guy who works uh, with me. He does the payroll. So one of the things about it is when you hire people that do something better than you, and there will be people who do things better than you, and you should look for them, particularly if you don't do something well. Mm -hmm. Empower them and give them the space to do it well. If you are micromanaging them, if you are sort of standing over their heads while they're doing it, it does nothing except frustrate both of you. Mm -hmm. So... If you under so the, going back to your question is if you know what you do well and what you don't do well, hire people who do those things well and let them do their job. Mm-hmm. That is a sign of a good manager, not someone standing over them. Mm-hmm. It just totally resonated for me. I can uh,
1: My piece of um, I guess observation, I'll just say, going into education is, especially if you're coming from a a different sector, is that going back to the people Mm -hmm. and the the feelings, Mm -hmm. I sometimes feel like a politician Mm -hmm. where it's much more about building relationships with people. That's how you get the decisions made. It's less about, let me put this whole... I mean, you need to put the proposal together and find the evidence. That's so important, but it's really your relationships Mm -hmm. that will go a long way. So really navigate that. Befriend who you need to befriend. Mm -hmm. Get to know them. um, And that will help you navigate the organization. I also think, too... Education is a business. Yes, but there are a lot of education professionals professionals that don't have a management background. Right. They don't know finance or yep. accounting or you know certain leadership type uh, skills. Mm-hmm. So it's really a lot of people who are really faking it till they make it, totally. and just learning as they go. Um, because when we, um, yeah, you got your master's in education mm-hmm. as well, and I took one business ish management class. Yep but the, most of the program was focused on like the student development and those totally. things. Yep. In my opinion, I think education professionals should all get a really good background and management experience Absolutely. because mm-hmm. that's what's going to help the organization move forward. And I think that's also why education is known to evolve very slowly. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's so. right.
2: But again, it goes back to that concept of altruism. Yeah. It was something you said, Paul, that was uh, also, I think, important. It's about this concept of professional career currency and personal currency Mm -hmm. right so as you develop these relationships you develop that personal currency so that if I need to ask you for something it's coming from a place of trust it's coming from a place of good respect and all that other stuff and you have to do your job well right and that's the professional currency but Mm -hmm. you have to be able to have those relationships and that's the personal currency and those things do work together they have to yeah yeah
0: well another thing that you said that kind of made me ring kind of uh to, to circle or triangle this um is like having a balance of the soft and the hard skills yeah absolutely because mm-hmm. um, i think um in education like people um it tends to be a mismatch if i have someone who's got really good technical skills and they can do the things that i need them to do and they, they got the work, like the technical skills of the work, but they can't talk to people or they don't know how to talk That's to right. people. Right. And then I have the the folks who talk too much yeah. and can't execute <laughs> on like the spreadsheet, the Word doc, That's the right. PDF, whatever. So I think there's a um and I don't know if this is just specific to <clears throat> excuse me, education, but there's a <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a marriage, oh, I don't want to say marriage, um, a partnership that has to exist yeah. between mm-hmm. like your heart, your technical skills and your yeah. soft skills because they are becoming absolutely. more important as we see because it's really easy sometimes to see people who don't have the technical skills no that's
2: exactly right and it's
0: really easy to people see people who don't have the soft skills because yep. it, it's blaring but yep. trying to weave your work in a way that you get some of both that's i right. think um just based off of both of what you said yeah. um is i think one of the pieces of advice that i would give to people as well
2: i, I absolutely agree don't um it's great to be a good manager, but you also have to understand how the business runs. Mm-hmm. If you right. don't know how to bu- the business, and, and to your point, Paul, education is a business. Mm-hmm. Nobody is, and, and even a nonprofit is a business. Yeah. They're just right. not making money, but they have to run what they need to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and forsaking the understanding about how a business runs for the softer side is a big mistake. Mm-hmm.
1: Great. I love that. Really good points. So um, that ends our segment. Remember, email us questions at headbosspodcast at gmail.com and we'll be right show with our usual boss ass bitch and bitch ass boss of the week um, mine's really short i didn't really have anything prepared going into this um there's an obvious way to go with a boss ass bitch and by the time this episode comes out it's gonna be hella late but i don't care uh beyonce <laughs> knowles carter yes on the 2nd of february 2017 the second day of black history month on our lovely Instagram newsfeed, we see this glowing, lovely photo of Beyonce with a nice little belly and, you know, with a nice veil and her golden locks mm-hmm. and looking like, um, you know, she's giving birth to Jesus Christ. Perfection. Right? Perfection. Um, With a little caption, just saying, we thank you in advance for your, you know, um, your your congratulations (laughs) and whatever. And, you know, basically expecting um, two more. Yeah. Um, The world stopped. I don't care if there was something going on at work. It didn't matter what Trump said that day. It didn't matter if the stock market crashed. Like, Beyonce (laughs) shut down the internet and everyone's worries and... Um, not only is she just pregnant again, but it's with two babies, twins, twins, which is just an incredible idea that these babies are going to could be anything. It could be two twin girls. It could be tw- two twin boys. It could be a boy and a girl. And as the beehive usually does, they make up all their theories mm-hmm. and um, yes. possibilities. Did you
0: see that Kermit meme that was like, we already gave him once. Like, I already had one baby. <laughs> right? And it was like,
1: like bitch, bitch, give them twins. Give them twins. <laughs> and then there's another one where it's like Kim Kardashian <laughs> calling um, Kanye. And she's like crying. She's like,
0: I need to have triplets, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, so, yeah, it's just great. And she's still going to be performing at the Grammys in a week. And, uh, or, well, last week by the time this episode comes out. Anyways. And she's also, uh, she didn't cancel her performance at Coachella. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put a pastor to still perform with this belly, whether she's four months or eight months pregnant, she's going to do it. She's
0: likely to pull an Adele and like uh, stand and mic mm-hmm. and perhaps and she, a chair.
1: She got her dancers. They'll be just dancing around her, maybe right. carrying her on the throne. She can, really can do anything. Yeah. I mean, the babies might even be doing choreography at that point in her belly. Right. So, <laughs> Oh, sorry. There's another funny meme. I think I sent you this one of uh, Blue Ivy and she's like posing on the red carpet and it's like when your inheritance goes down from like (laughs) three million to, you know, two million and then it's like a close-up of Blue Ivy's fist. (laughs) (laughs) The internet, I love it. Anyways, oh, and the reason why she's my boss ass bitch is not because she's just Beyonce, but... It's just this woman who raises a family and continues to beat her own expectations and society's expectations, and she still goes through. She can do it all, you know? <laughs> Women are constantly being told you have to choose between life and relationships um, and work, but no, you, you can do it all, and I think is a great role model for that.
0: Truth. Um, so I have a bitch ass and two boss asses. So let's just start with the bitch ass so we can get the shit on out the way. Okay. Um, so the first one is, um, uh, this underwhelming, another underwhelming cabinet, uh, selection for 45, um, Betsy DeVos is being, DeVos, who the fuck (laughs) her name is, Betsy, um, is a nominee for secretary of education um number one she has none Um, uh, number two like she I watched a few of the pieces of her um we could call it an interview I'm not even quite sure how like anybody would vote for this unqualified person um and it's like it raise it I don't know if it raises or lower lowers the bar in terms of like cabinet picks for 45. 45 being the temp in the White House.
1: Um, the temp. <laughs>
0: hashtag shade to 45. Um, but has no shade to people who have a bachelor's degree. That's awesome. No shade to anybody who's seeking some level of education. Um, be it a high school diploma, GED, etc. But if you are going for the highest level position in a field, I'm going to need you to have more education than that. Like, experience will get you so far. And she has no experience. And I'm just going to say, blanket no experience. Maybe she's funded some charter schools, believes in the voucher system. That's some of the bullshit she's on. Um, In the state of Michigan, no less, when they can't even get their fucking water situation together. But anywho, um, not that people don't want it to get it together, but, like, they're just on a whole other level of fuck shit. That could be its its own separate bitch Mm -hmm. ass. Um, But the epitome of somebody who... Is not qualified. Like I don't even know how how much more to express it than unqualified said this bullshit about like maybe people should have guns in schools for grizzlies. And I was like, bitch, are you that fucking stupid? Like, don't you know that's gonna like that's you're gonna die with this being like the dumbest thing that I the dumbest thing to date that you've (laughs) said. So I just don't understand like how anybody voted for her. So shout out to all the the people who didn't vote for her in the um, the hearing process. Mm-hmm. And it seems to date, and I, they say she's confirmed, but there's an actual vote happening, I think, soon. Um, so by the time you hear this, she may or may not, because they keep pushing it back. And Yeah, I, this and is I, the
1: longest selection for a cabinet mm-hmm. position. Yeah, I
0: feel well, like. the other thing, and I, I learned why they keep pushing it back, because they haven't done, who's the racist guy that's going for
1: um, <laughs> <Which> <laughs> attorney <one>? general? <laughs> Which, um, oh, um, uh, Jeff Sessions. Yeah,
0: I think he may be. There's some reason why they keep pushing his back because the moment that he becomes the Attorney General, he has to like in that moment has to resign his other position, and they would lose the votes. The Republicans would lose that vote, that vote in oh. hearings. So they keep pushing his back because that would mean. The um, the Dems would win fifty to forty fifty one to forty nine or fifty to forty nine, mm-hmm. and so because his vote wouldn't count, right? So that's why they keep pushing his back until unqualified bitch is confirmed or not. Mm-hmm. That's I learned that the other day. And that I was makes like, sense. Ugh. Um, so bitch ass, fuck her and all that she stands for. Um, so roll into the process. <laughs> <ass. laughs> keep going. Um, so my boss asses are. Um, Maxine waters she is a, <laughs> a house of Repres- uh, a representative from California the 43rd district she's been in politics um, since 1991 she was a House of reps for the 29th district uh, 35th district and currently the 43rd district all in California all Southern California kind of LA Inglewood kind of that more urban if you will in in quotes mark um, and she recently was put out there on a video. Um, she's not with 45 at all, and she Mm. makes zero qualms about it. She's like, I didn't go to the inauguration because that's a way of welcoming somebody into the White House. And she was like, I don't welcome him, I don't like him, and I'm not going to be there. And I was like, right? (laughs) Can somebody else take, like, everybody's favorite auntie's word and, like, start paying attention? Um, But she also had some sort of a meeting with... um, uh, the FBI director recently, and I sent this to Paul and a few other people, where she, well, while she couldn't talk about the contents of the meeting because it's classified, she was just like, she got on the mic and she's like, yes, what do you want? And <laughs> was talking to a reporter, and she's like, I can't say anything. It's classified. Um and then she was like, all I can say is the FBI director has no credibility. And then she like basically drops the mic and walks away. And like there was nothing else to do with that. Yeah, she
1: was just not here for She's it. She's like,
0: I'm done with this bullshit. I'm not even gonna pretend anymore. Right. Um so for that, for me she became another auntie along with Jennifer Lewis. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and I have one more, I know I'm going long, and okay, thanks. Um My other one is Joy Reed. She's Joy Ann Reed. She has um, the Reed Report, which is on MSNBC. Um, Black woman who is doing her thing. Um, She's also not here for 45, um, but she um, has a a different way of saying it than Auntie Maxine. And I just really appreciated, appreciated her perspective and her realness around the whole thing. Um, and again, black woman spotlight on her own show. Um, I think she does the circuit of like, uh, political commentary shows and kind of stands up for what she believes in. So I certainly believe that. And while I may not believe, um, like, or support her, like, i am fully in line with all of her politics, at least she keeps it real in terms of how she feels and points out the bullshit when it's bullshit. Mm. Um, so I know there was a, a number of things related to president Obama and some of the things that he was or wasn't doing for a variety of people. And she kind of kept it real on that. And she brought on people who kind of had opposing viewpoints, Um, so I've appreciated seeing her and, um, I don't know if it's her rise, but like you have a show, like a weekly show on a major network. So I'm giving you props for that and doing it in an eloquent and polished way. So very much appreciate that. So yeah.
1: Cool. Great. So that ends our show for this week. Uh, please, please, please keep following us on our various social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, I think we might actually soon have an Instagram, but we'll let you know when that's, uh, posted up. Uh, please subscribe and listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes comment write reviews um, especially if you uh, choose uh, iTunes as your platform and of course email us with any thoughts qualms concerns anything yeah. <laughs> at, at HeadBossPodcast at gmail.com got anything else nope that's it all right peace I <laughs> got Twenty five on the On the biggest boss that you seen thus far. On the, the biggest boss that you seen
0: thus far. On hey. the biggest boss that you seen thus far. Cause it's just another day in the life of the.